Hello and welcome to the Duelist Community Movie Review Series, Episode 5. I am enjoying the ability to face the collective ego in so many different ways and avenues and discussions, be it in person or online or through a podcast episode, and, and recognize that I'm not separate from that collective ego. And I am it no differently than someone who more clearly embodies it and doesn't recognize unity to any degree. And I appreciate your willingness to face that as well. And I am excited about the potential that you will continue to express in your entire life. And I would like to say very quickly to you, the listener, that you've done so well how far you've come, what you've faced, what you're realizing, what you're learning to look at within yourself. And I don't just say that about you. You could be thinking, well, you don't know me or my life. That might be true, but I understand the environment. I understand the world that we are growing up within and how disconnected our mentality has become over time. And if you are growing up on the same planet that I am, then I recognize how hard this is. And I just wanna say, good for you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited to see what you continue to reveal to all of us, how you continue to change the world, because that's all you need to do is just recognize you've always had that potential. It's just everybody else who's been convincing themselves and thus you that you're limited. So thank you for being here. And on that note, on to the movie review. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite movies. I say that a lot. I have a lot of favorite movies. It was made in 1995. The name of the movie is Powder. It stars Sean Patrick Flannery, Jeff Goldblum, Mary Steenburgen, and Lance Henriksen. I love this movie for a number of reasons. I think the biggest reason isn't just because it speaks to human potential about what might be possible for humanity, but it also clearly indicates the obstacle of trauma. Because regardless of how much the character Powder shows us in this movie about what he's capable of doing, it's always limited by the trauma that he experienced at the first moments of his life from his father. And it spills over into everything else that he experiences, all of his other relationships. And it's because largely of the world that he's born into, regardless of his potential. So I find this movie to be incredible, and I'm very excited to hear your thoughts, Andrew. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with it. But I guess going off of your uh, initial points, it really shows the impact of our environment, no matter how clearly we may see things within ourselves, like how crystal clearly we may see things within ourselves. Our environment is always inevitably going to have an impact on our reality. It is us no differently than the body that we currently are inhabiting in this, in this form or that we are identifying as at least. Um, so yeah, I mean, overarching theme of this movie I saw basically just to get into that is, is basically the collective ego being faced with the reality of unity and how it responds to that discomfort that comes with things being different than what they think 
it is and the comfort that they or the false sense of certainty and false sense of comfort that comes with not having to face something that kind of spits in the face of what you think things are and the way you think things should be or are about reality and and the town that powder inhabits and is involved in is basically to me different iterations of the collective ego from clinging super tightly to it and even just looking at him like most of the kids at the school as he's walking by just stare at him just because he looks a little bit different literally just because his skin is a little paler and he doesn't have hair on him and he gets all these crazy looks to other characters in the movie like uh i don't know her name but the main woman who is involved with him early on still has inklings of ego attachment to her but it's it's significantly less destructive than a lot of the other characters that uh that play those roles and same with uh the science teacher you can still see inklings of that identity coming through which powder kind of shows all of it everyone's ability to let go of that but also point out where they're i guess sort of faltering in certain ways um so anyway it's a fucking awesome movie there's so many different aspects of it that i thought were so cool but uh yeah i'll path back to ray i really enjoy the fact that while the movie is about human potential it very much is about as you said the reaction of our current mentality to that potential and it's interesting because jeremy or powder regardless of of all of his talents and abilities was largely kept away from the world he has no experience of the world outside of his books and so when he suddenly is forced to interact with the world it's his very naive and beautiful mentality dealing with the world of suffering and pain and walls and disconnection. And he doesn't know how to reconcile it. He doesn't understand, right? And that has to be incredibly hard because as he's starting to hang around people more and more, he's starting to hear their thoughts. You see that progression as he starts moving throughout the beginning of the movie. At first, he's kind of tuning it out because he's not used to listening to that many people. He's used to living on a farm alone. But then he starts listening and he starts seeing the reactions of everyone. But it takes him a while to understand there's malice, that there's this perception of division. It, he doesn't understand it at first. Like the, uh, the scene in the cafeteria, perfect example. He's just sitting down eating. And suddenly the bully who felt insecure, and we find out why later, has to go and make a point out of it. Like, you know, perform for us, you know, basically trying to ridicule him and make an example of him so he feels embarrassed but powder doesn't understand why he should feel embarrassed he doesn't understand that mentality at all and so he's just like this is a cool trick and so he starts playing with the spoon he's like check this out and i don't know about you but if i had been sitting at that table i would have been like "Woo, that was fucking amazing but everybody else was terrified and that made the relationship worse with the bully because the reason he's a bully is because of his fear so he, so he immediately had an issue with powder because he was afraid of powder. And the same was true for the, um, the police deputy. He didn't understand powder either, and it terrified him. 
it really, really bothered him. And I think it's funny because you know his mentality is closed-minded because he's a racist cop to the point where the chief actually says, that's funny, I never thought we'd meet somebody too white for you. I thought that was just perfectly indicative of how, how fragile that man was and why he clung to his gun or and why he was clinging to his gun so much, why he always needed to prove himself, why he had to be the manly man and why he was the role model of the bully. That made sense as well. So yeah, it, it really was interesting to watch Powder come to the recognition that we lie to ourselves and each other all the time. And it's because we limit ourselves and we can't see ourselves in everyone else. Yeah, I think I think the uh, cafeteria scene was or did a good job of showing his transition from being able to do something cool and thinking it's cool and thinking everyone would think it's cool to recognizing that people don't always think something something's cool just because of how cool it is. It's, it's they don't find it cool because of the discomfort that it creates within them. And so when he did that silverware trick he he's like smiling as he's doing it thinking everyone's gonna think this is so awesome and he gets met with just like shock discomfort fear basically and then his smile kind of turns to a frown when he starts to recognize that and he's just it shows him getting kind of beaten into submission as we do basically symbolic of our transition from children to adults most most people is going from just doing things for the sake of doing them, doing things because we think they're cool, showing people what we can do. And then it's like if someone's insecure and they think that you're trying to you know, look better than they are, they'll have a visceral reaction to you just doing something for the sake of doing it. And then the uh, yeah, that cop it was so that scene was very funny when he said, I uh, didn't think I'd ever meet someone too white for you because. That just shows that his, the cop's discomfort isn't even necessarily about race. It's just difference. It's just something he doesn't understand in himself and anything different from the mentality that he's used to makes him uncomfortable. And therefore he has to react in a certain way. He has to respond in a certain way in order to I don't know, I guess make himself feel a little bit more comfortable. And the bully is the same exact way. He always feels like he has to do something to powder, act in a certain way. The bully pulling his gun out on him like a bunch of times and like wants to kill him just to prove a point or just to get rid of that discomfort is kind of how I saw it was that powder was the embodiment or, or what they pointed to for the reason for their discomfort, despite it just being their unwillingness to relax into a state of uncertainty and not understand thing, something and be able to face it. And so that scene with, with the gun, I, I found just like very interesting and very telling of how they're just trying to use, or the bullies trying to use the only thing he understands how to do, which is use force to, get rid of something to suppress something. And it's the same thing that was clearly he went through with his dad, basically telling him to, you know, he doesn't like his hat. This is a later scene, but he doesn't like his hat. So, you know, fight him for it, prove how man you are and, and take this hat from me or take it back for me. And it's like the only thing they know 
how to do with it. And uh, kind of intertwined with the bully and the and the cop and everything. The scene with the deer definitely wanted to chat about this one because so following the bully pointing the gun at powder, they're all way out in the forest and and they come across the the cop with his gun and he had just shot a deer but hadn't killed it. And he said something along the lines of don't don't hunt for the for the kill, hunt for the hunt or something, and and just do it for I don't know, the thrill of it, I guess, but he didn't understand even what he was doing. And so Powder basically showed him what he what he was doing, pretty much. Oh, he totally disconnected from the violence that he was embodying. And it was because what he was saying was, uh, don't go for the kill, go for the shot, because he was a marksman, right? And so it was all about kudos to me on making that shot from that distance. It wasn't even about the animal. And and they said, well, he's still kicking. Oh, don't worry about that. That You know, that's just his body accepting that he's dead and he's not feeling the thing. There was no remorse. There was no consideration. It was just about him making an awesome shot in front of all these teenagers and being a big man about it. And so I love the fact that Patter went over and said, you know, like, no, it's dying and you get to feel that now. Right. It's not just kicking because, you know, its body hasn't accepted it's dead. It's dying. And you were the cause of that. And I love the fact that he makes him feel it right down to the end. And after that, the cop wouldn't use a gun for the rest of the episode or for the rest of the movie. Right. And it's because suddenly he recognized the damage that he was causing. But you notice he didn't change as a person. He actually hated Powder more for it, despite becoming a less violent person, despite becoming a less destructive force in the world, he was still resentful about it. Almost like it was shown to him and he didn't want that, which is the case, which is exactly the case, you know, because if we allow ourselves to see what we're doing, we have to change. And so we often don't allow ourselves to see. And that's why Powder said, I showed him. I opened him up and I showed him what he was doing. And that was the lesson. And that's the lesson for all of us. When we open up and actually see what we're doing to ourselves, to others, to the world, right? It's just that we don't allow ourselves to open up because then we have to change. Yeah, so we actively avoid the ability to see what we're doing. Like we remain closed off so we don't have to see it. So we don't have to change because we don't want to want to change. And so it, it's... Yeah, I mean, that that scene was just so powerful that he was actually able to through. I mean, and it really is like as much as it seems all supernatural and stuff like everything he did doesn't sound like it's unachievable, like that we wouldn't be able to do that, given even given our scientific understandings of this reality and the lack of division that we have between anyone or anything and it's like he was able to just tap in so in so many different situations to that recognition because he was constantly embodying that recognition and everything that he did so of course you'd be able to feel what something else was feeling in a certain mentality like you'd literally be able to feel it and because we inherently feel so disconnected we're actually able to cut those feelings off from being able to feel them like that's how powerful our mind and our mentality is there are a number of other 
situations that that sort of showed that. One of my favorites being when he was uh, talking to the girl, at the redhead at, at the picnic table. I think that, I mean, that was probably the most obvious in his recognition of unity and also his understanding of what's blocking everyone. And it makes me wonder when uh, when he points to forehead saying everyone has this thing blocking them. It's it's like the idea of yourself, but it's also isn't the default mode network part of your brain in the front of it? Is that the case? Because I actually don't know. Okay, because I'm curious if that's symbolic at all of pointing to like the default mode network, which is kind of our sense of self. And it's like our idea of ourself is what cuts us off from recognizing that we're that, what was it like an Italian fisherman and the person down the street and all these different people that she couldn't understand how she was them. And she was kind of laughing, making jokes about it. And he was just very matter of fact, like, well, everyone has this thing. My grandparents had it also this thing that blocks them from understanding that. Yeah, then that's it. I, I don't know if he was talking specifically about the brain. What I caught was the place that we think we stop. Because that's it. We think we stop at our head. We actually say, like, my mind is inside my head. Right. In, instead of recognizing that everything is your mind, everything is awareness itself. But it's such an interesting thing because in that interaction between the girl and Powder, she opens up and she can actually feel his awareness. And they start to look at each other and, and their, their secrets and their feelings and, and all of that. And there's a point where he closes off. And it's his pain. It's when she starts recognizing that he still feels alone, that he feels isolated and that he's suffering. And he kind of shies away from that because he's well aware of the fact that he's in a world that doesn't give a shit about it. And though she does, it's immediately followed with her asshole dad who is once again coming out of that, that forceful, fearful mentality. And what's interesting about that fearful mentality is, again, it's so often that if someone is afraid, their strategy is to make the thing that's scaring them afraid, right? So when people were afraid of powder, their reaction was to make powder afraid. And it bothered them when he wasn't afraid. Like the dad's like, are you having fun with my daughter? Powder actually thought that was a genuine question. He's like, yeah, very much. He didn't realize the dad was implying something sexual by any means because powder doesn't think that way, right? So that's the whole thing. He keeps getting met with this reality that is so contradictory to the mentality that he's in. Even the, the IQ test, even when they tested his intelligence, they weren't there to celebrate the fact that he had broken every record. They weren't there to marvel at, at this possibility of human existence. They were there to try and accuse him of cheating. They were there to try and rationalize to themselves why he was so different based on their own fears and preferences. It wasn't about powder at all. And that is the problem that we're talking about often on the podcast is that we get so caught up in trying to feel better that we completely lose sight of our potential, even though our potential could be solving so many of the problems that are causing our suffering or exacerbating that suffering. So it's so very interesting. It's like, you know, if we could stop just trying to feel better, we might actually grow. That's funny, too, how it's literally education board members. You would think that they would want to be able to 
even in, in an egotistical mindset, like utilize his capabilities and they still don't even want to do that despite being the one group that you would think would definitely want to be able to utilize that. So it's still their idea of themselves getting in the way and their own discomfort is all they're thinking about. All they're trying to soothe is say, you must have cheated. Let's figure out how, because this makes me uncomfortable that there's someone who could possibly do this because it doesn't meet my expectations of reality. And then, and just going back real quick to the scene with uh, the girl, when she is seeing more deeply into him, kind of like Ray referenced early on in the episode, it, it just goes to show that as clearly as he's able to see things as clearly as he's able to recognize that he's not, you know, what he thinks he is. He's not the limited idea of himself. He still has shit that he deals with. He still very much has certain insecurities that are able to arise. Maybe they're deep, deep, deep in the depths of him, but he still deals with them just the same. And and so I think it just goes to show that there's no, it's not that there isn't any way to get rid of that deep, those deeper insecurities or, or aspects of us, but maybe it isn't so much about getting rid of them and more just coming to terms with them and, and seeing that there's nothing wrong with them. It's like shifting our perspective of them instead of thinking, I want to get rid of all of them, just shifting our idea of them into understanding that they were fundamental to where we're at right now. And yes, they can still be difficult to deal with, but it's not something that you ever have to fully get rid of. You can very much live a fulfilling life with be it insecurities or past, you know, regrets that you hold on to or traumatic situations that you've been through. They very much informed every aspect of the rest of your life and allow you to connect and empathize with people. Absolutely. In the case of Powder, his traumatic event was literally at the beginning of his life, not just being struck by lightning, his mom dying, and then his dad turning his back and saying, that's not my kid. So you can imagine all of that right from the very start, you're disconnected, regardless of your feeling of connection. It's hard to rationalize. It's hard to, to deal with that. And it lingers and it carries, especially in an environment that is so contradictory to your feeling of unity. Right. And so I think it's really interesting that Powder's abilities influenced each character to some degree the chief of police, um, Jesse, the teacher, and then Donald Ripley, the uh, science teacher, who I thought was hilarious because he was already open minded about science. And, and you could tell he was very enthusiastic about the unknown. And all of a sudden, it was like he just got jolted with the energy of, of, of enjoying his existence. He even explained it. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what you did. Something rubbed off. He's like, I'm feeling great. I'm having more insights than I've had in years. Right. And it's because he was feeling alive. He was more present as powder tends to be right. But that's the reason that his character had such an impact on powder. So, because all of a sudden he wasn't contradictory to the rest of what powder was saying. He just wasn't so far out, along the path as powder. He hadn't been struck by lightning and jolted with electricity from the start of his life, for example. So he didn't start at like level 10,000 in terms of consciousness level, right? He's a human like anyone else, but he had still been working at open-mindedness. He had still been marveling at the universe, right? And that's why that was a pivotal moment for Powder. You know, that's why, you know, they, they shook hands. He's like, you want to see something cool? And he lifts the hair. 
on Jeff Goldblum's head. And instead of reacting in fear, Jeff Goldblum is marveling at it. He's, he's just like, this is amazing. And that's where you see Jeremy or Powder's character again, start to see, oh, wow. Like not every human's like this, right? And then the sheriff, who I thought was really interesting because he had no relationship with Powder throughout the entire movie until finally he starts to recognize that maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something that's happening that would give him the ability to communicate with his wife who couldn't speak anymore and was dying. And he was just desperate enough to let go of what he believed and let go of his role as the sheriff because he shouldn't have went to get Powder at all, but he did. And it's because he was desperate. And in that, he had an experience of openness that shook him, right? That allowed him to see that there was more to it and it allowed him to open up to his son and his wife. And that whole experience was fantastic. And even after that, though, towards the end of the movie, the sheriff still came to, to get Powder. He's still following his role. He was still following his responsibilities as a cop. He even said, like, I don't know how to turn my back. Right? And it's not hard, as Jeff Goldblum's character said. He's like, you just turn your head. It's really not difficult, right? Yes, it, we're so impacted by what we think we are that it's very difficult to move beyond that or at least let go of it because it does provide some sense of certainty and security. And I think that's what the sheriff felt was that his role as the sheriff had certain duties. And as much as he could let go on one end and allow powder into situation with his wife and his son and kind of facilitate this incredible experience, being able to actually communicate with his wife again, that he hadn't been able to do for, for a while. He still, as you said, at the end, came back and was fulfilling his role. And as, as much as we can recognize it, it kind of showed me that as much as we can recognize and, and let go in certain aspects, it's got to be an every moment type thing. Because as soon as we stop, as soon as we go back to this false sense of certainty, the, the comfort in the known, we go back to that role immediately we don't feel as open we're not as willing to question you know what our role is or what's really happening and and be present in the moment and see very clearly what's going on with them picking powder up at his old house and and that the kid just wants to be home and be left alone and he doesn't go out of his way to do anything he's just the entire movie responding to the situations he's placed in that he's more or less forced to be in, you know, even going, you know, when, when the deer shooting happens, like that was not a situation he chose to be in. He was just kind of dragged along into it and he just reacted accordingly based on everything. And so I think get, unless do you have any other scenes besides the final scene that you wanted to get into? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the scene towards the end where he has his last encounter with the teenage boys and you can see he has this moment of regret as he's looking at the other boy in the bathroom getting washed after playing sports or whatever. But he's like, if only I had hair and skin pigment. If only I, I was this kid. And I feel really bad for Powder because we all go through that. And largely it's because of the reception that he got from everybody else of being different, of not fitting in, of, of being unique. And, and so he's going through this moment of pain that is actually showing him what everybody else is going through 
he's actually starting to recognize what has made all of the people who are picking on him into bullies. It's that feeling. And then as they push him and that energetic blast ends up happening as a result of him just trying to control his temper. It's what it was. All of a sudden he recognizes he can cause just as much damage. And he saves the bully's life. He didn't have to do that. He did it. And I think in that moment, they came to terms. That's why the bully looked at him. They had a moment of like, we're good. You know, like we found our middle ground. I thought that that scene was intense. I thought it was fantastic. It was really, really well done because that's it. Like we have way more power than we think we do. We get picked on sometimes and we think that, you know, we're powerless. But the fact is that you can do a lot of damage and often it makes things worse. It makes things worse, you know, being able to take that and walk away and not carry it with you. That's the trick, right? It's not about hurting the person who's hurting you. It's about recognizing why they're hurting you, right? We're recognizing that they're hurting and then not letting it infect you as well. Right? So yeah, I, I really enjoyed that scene, but getting into the last scene, I'm very curious about your thoughts before we go there. And and one last thing with the bully scene towards the end when they kind of met in the middle, um, it wasn't just the bully seeing powder more clearly. It was also powder seeing the bully more clearly. Like it was both sides. He understood more clearly, obviously in the, in the gym when uh, he's, he's seeing where the bullies kind of root of his suffering is there's, there's a connection there, but in that last, part when he has the reaction that basically kills the bully for a second he sees how your reactions can have so much of an impact and kind of where it comes from and so it, they both see like powder very much sees why the bully acts in the way that he does and then the bully lets go of his anger and and hatred raw hatred towards towards powder as well so that was yeah, all so many, so many powerful scenes. But the last scene uh is fucking so cool because when powder also going back to the scene, uh, or I can't remember if this is part of the last scene, but when he's talking to the sheriff about his wife leaving, that she didn't leave, or this was basically the last scene, it was right before the very end. Uh, he's telling him that uh she didn't go to a place she went back to everything. And I don't remember exactly what he said in that line, but it was basically the, the recognition that she didn't go anywhere other than more deeply here through everything. And then that kind of showed that, that scene, that line that he was talking to the sheriff about was shown through him in running towards a storm getting shocked by lightning the the circle going out into everything and that was just i think very symbolic of him yeah it's not even going back but it's the human form of him kind of just disintegrating into everything and everyone as well like the sheriff science teacher and jesse uh he he like the circle of it hits them all like right in the chest or the gut. And that, that was just very symbolic of him going back into everyone and everything. No differently that he was, but he was just perceived in an individual way 
by reality throughout the movie. So yeah, that, that final scene was pretty fucking incredible. <laughs> oh, and full credit goes to Lance Henriksen in that scene, because this would be the sheriff who has the deepest of the experiences of everybody who felt powder leave because he was just told that his wife never left. And so now he's feeling powder who has not left either. And that just hits home that his wife's still there. And you could see it as he's crying that that scene to me, that actor in that scene made that whole movie right there. You can feel how well it's communicated. And I have to wonder about the sheriff's deputy who was already on the ropes in terms of like dealing with uncertainty and opening up his mind. How'd that affect him moving forward? What was the impact in his life? Like, I always end up wondering about that as well, because that's the point is that it's not how long we're here. It's the ripple we leave, right? And that's the thing. We're always everything, but we get to manifest in order to physically embody a ripple for a while, right? But that ripple doesn't end with us, right? Because we're not just what we per perceive ourselves to be. So the ripple continues forever. I thought it was so very interesting and sad to some degree, because of course, the reason the powder had to leave was for two things. Lightning was always calling him. I think there was a recognition that that was home, that he had been avoiding home. And likewise, I think that there was a recognition that he just didn't fit in this world right now, that there would be nothing but more conflict, which would continue to push him down that path like he did with the bully into seeing parts of himself that he probably didn't want to see. Right, because he was so far at the other spectrum. So it was almost better to just go home at that point and leave that positive ripple with everyone. But I would just like to say that's very much kind of the purpose of dualistic unity is for every Jeremy or every powder, every potential powder who's waking up in a nightmarish world to not encounter nothing but people who are closed off, to actually encounter an environment of people who are welcoming and enthusiastic and excited that you're here. So that way you do feel more welcome. So that way you can continue to make that ripple in your life and we can all benefit from it. It's very much why I love this movie. Because we are all powder, but we're also all society. And so we have to change in order to make it easier for the rest of us to change. And in doing so, we change everything because we are everything and we're seeing past that little point of being focused on our fiction of ourselves. Yeah, that if if anything, if we're doing anything here, it's for those like Patter who are waking up into a crazy ass fucking world where no one's talking about any of the things that they're recognizing, being able to find something that is. And yeah, just as you mentioned, talking about the length of our lives, the egotistical mindset gets so caught up in in extending our lives and really when you're attentive to where you're at it's like that's where eternity lies and so there isn't so much thought for how many of those eternities you get because there isn't even a way to quantify it what do you mean how many eternities it's all fucking eternity so every single moment is we have the ability to relax into that eternity and i think at the end there, as much as Powder appeared to be, and given that he was running, seemed like he was running away or running towards something, I think it was very symbolic that he had made his impact to the degree that he could. He 
showed people what's possible. He interacted with people, showed people what's possible through his, you know, tricks and stuff, but also just through his mentality the entire time and did inevitably leave a massive impact. And so I just had one last question. I'm curious when you first saw powder and how much you resonated. Cause like I resonate with powder, but like, I feel like you really probably resonate with powder. So I'm curious about how the first time you saw it was and went. You just say that cause I'm bald. <laughs> so I just wanted to say that quickly. Um, when I first watched powder, I was 16 because it came out in 1995. And so I was firmly in the grip of my depression. I was very isolated. I felt completely outside of the world. And so it resonated hard because I very much felt like I was trying to be free, be myself. I didn't even know what that meant. I knew there was something within me, but I kept getting slapped down by everybody around me who didn't want to believe in themselves. And so they didn't want to believe in me. And so you end up in that relationship with the collective ego. And of course, the more locked in your ego it is, the harder it is to do. And it just gave me this impression that there is a beauty in vulnerability that our world doesn't understand. But it left me with the idea that perhaps that's where awareness is. Perhaps that's where change is, is in that vulnerability, in that willingness to connect to other people. And it just took me years to figure it out. But the movie always resonated for sure. This time around, a lot more. Admittedly, I resonated with the movie a lot more this time around, but from a different perspective entirely, because true, the character got his powers, as it were, by virtue of being struck by lightning and being an anomaly. But we're all generators of electricity all the time. It really is just about getting out of our own way. And so I thought it was so interesting. The dialogue specifically at the circus or at the county fair with the girl about people not being able to see past this single point. And if they could, they would recognize that they're everyone everywhere. I have to wonder how much of that settled into my awareness when I was 16 without me even recognizing it. How many dominoes got sent in a cascade over years and years and years that I didn't even recognize were in there. So it makes you wonder, how much change are you already going through? How close are you to already revealing your potential? Just keep going. That's it. Yeah. And if that's any way to, I don't know, reinforce myself how this week's been going and some of the insights we've been discussing in that you don't have to actively get in the way of what's already happening. Like you have no idea what's going on right now and the situations that you're going through. You really don't know what sort of impact they're having on the rest of reality, what sort of impact they're going to have on your future and what you've gone through this week that may echo throughout the rest of your life and be an insight that hits you in five years from now. You just never actually know. So remembering that, that it's already happening, that you're already making progress, that it's already all working out more perfectly than you could ever imagine or fathom allows you to relax into that state that allows for it to happen more seamlessly. Not that it wouldn't happen, but just with less distortion and suffering along the way. Yeah. And we will change with you. I knew you would like this movie. I'm really glad that you got a chance to watch it. Dear listener, if you haven't checked it out yet, 
I'm sorry if we spoiled anything for you. Do go and watch the movie. It's absolutely worth the time. And we look forward to your feedback and your thoughts. If you want to jump onto the Discord and let us know what you thought of the movie, let other people know what you thought about the movie as well, because it's worth watching. Admittedly, it's a gem from the 90s that was largely overlooked. And I think specifically because, as I've said to Andrew, 90s trailers sucked. And on that note, we will end this episode here. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next week. Hi, everyone.